What is up, YouTube family? We're back with another subscriber first wholesale deal interview today. Man, he's only 17, closed his first wholesale deal and made five Gs. It's not a big amount, but dude, it's enough to change the game for him because now you, you, you just went from something that, hey, is it possible for me to now reality? And if you can make five Gs, dude, you can make 500 Gs. So yep. put your hand together and help me welcome uh, Carmine, right? Uh, Kaden, Karim. However, Kaden, Kaden. Uh, just call me Karim. Kern. Okay, Kern. So oh. for those, hey, uh, a little bit of uh, a, a little back background about uh, yourself, bro. Before we we head into uh, the wholesale deal. Um, background. All right. So I moved to America when I was three years old. I'm from Azerbaijan, a country east of Turkey, north of Iran, and south of Georgia. Uh, I moved here when I was three, and I worked a couple nine-to-fives. I worked at my mom's office a lot. Kind of taught me that I didn't really like it. I would work for this big accounting firm. Um, yeah, I would just file papers all day, and after that, I kind of got into day trading a bit, trying to fix my future, basically, because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then it just led to this now into real estate. N nice, man. So now if you're only 17, how how did you close your first uh, wholesale deal? Yeah, okay. So I explained the whole wholesaling process to my mother and father. And I got the consent of my dad to use his name on all the documents I signed. But everything I did myself. Wow. So your dad will, your dad would sign the contract for you? Yeah, I just used his name on the DocuSigns. Nice. So you got him, you got your, you got your parent on board. Yep. How, how was you, how, how did you able uh, to convince them that it's not a scam? <laughs> All right. So I showed them your videos, Jerry Norton's videos. <laughs> Here's the thing. After, until I closed my first deal, they still thought it was a scam. They still thought, you know what, let's just let him do whatever he has to do. They thought it was just something as an excuse to not do schoolwork, I guess. Yeah. I was spending a lot of time on it, man. Every single day, like one, two, three, four, five hours every day. Um, until I got the first check closed, that's when they started believing me. So no one's going to take you seriously until you close your first deal. So you Nice, bro. Congrats, dude. So now my question is, what does your parent think now? They're supportive now. They're supportive <laughs> now. I actually, we recorded my dad's reaction. And he, he, he was like, seriously? Because I remember he would tell me, Kadim, you're wasting your time. You're doing all this and you still haven't made any money, right? But then it was one night where it was the day I closed. I had the check and we were recording his reaction and he said, you seriously closed it? And yeah, it was crazy. He was really happy for me. Dude, bro. I mean, dude, congrats, bro. Now, uh, can we see Can we see the uh, reaction video? Uh, do you have it? Uh, I can send it to you on Instagram. You can probably post it somewhere. <laughs> okay. Gotcha, bro. Okay, so now let's talk about, see, a lot of you, what you're doing is that you're, you're trying, you basically, sometimes a lot of you spending too much time trying to argue, trying to prove yourself, right, right? Listen, the only way to turn a non-believer into a believer is you got to show them the money. Show, yep. the, show, show them the money and it's game over. Because first, they'll ask you, why are you doing it? Later, they'll ask you, how? Yep. Yep. I got so, that question. Uh, what's that, bro? 
Uh, now my mom, she actually says, can I help you out with the business now? <laughs> Good for you, man. Okay, so yeah. let's talk. Let's let's talk about your first wholesale, dude. So how did you? Uh, so how do you found the uh, the seller? All right. So for any of you who are still stuck on the part on how to find leads, I got a list off of the code violation list for Marion County. Um, so anyone who's looking to get leads and you can't drive for dollars, you can't pay for leads. Go on to the a sell citizen website. This is where you can pull public information on code violations. So properties that have tall grass or they're not up to code, basically. Um, it's the sell citizen website. So you can pull all of these lists for free. So I pulled a code violation list and I started texting all the mobile numbers that I received from them. And that's basically how I got my first deal. Okay, hold on a second, bro. So first okay. off, for those of you, if you're under the age of 18, you have to be 18 or older to wholesale. So if you're under a, a if you're under the age of 18, you have to partner up with somebody that is 18 or older to sign the purchase sale contract for you. All right. And now the code violation. All right. For those of you, you can go down to your court, uh, your county uh, courthouse, and you can get the code violation list as well. Now, my question for you is: Once you get the list, dude, what do you do after that? All right. So I'm sure you're aware of Deal Machine, right? Yep. Okay, so this first deal, I spent no money on it. And a lot of people ask me how I got around the skip tracing. So I hope this adds a lot of value to you guys. Deal Machine offers free credits for skip tracing. You text on the computer, so it's very efficient. You copy and paste the numbers. Um, and I would just go at it texting every single day. Okay. <laughs> well, well, I use WTM on Deal Machine. Help Kong out. Yeah, so for those of you, honestly, man, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to cut this. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know uh, if I'm going to chop that out, bro. But uh, so basically you use deal machine to skip trace. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I might have to cut, I might have to cut the other part out, bro, because, <laughs> All right. because obviously I don't Just want creative, man. You gotta be creative. That's what I hey, had. Hey, you know what? You found the hack, dude. You found a hack. <laughs> and uh, you made it happen, but we don't yep. we don't need to let the whole world know about this little hack. It's gonna get uh, <laughs> okay, so for those of you, you do, if you don't have Deal Machines, I'll leave my affiliate link right below. All right, just sign up. They have an app, just dealmachine.com forward slash WTM or use my promo code WTM and you'll be able to get some credit where you can actually skip trace for free. Okay, so you take the list of code violation, you go to Deal Machines, you sign up, you skip trace, and then what's next? Okay, so this is the system I had in place. Since this was a card violation list, I would text all the mobile numbers and I would sift out the uninterested people. So the wrong numbers and the, I would write, hey, the seller's name, and I would wait for all of them to reply. And then I had this message. It, it kind of went like, yeah, hi, my name is Karim. I'm interested in a property owner on 123 Main Street kind of the whole rundown of what I do. And if they replied with what's your offer or I'm interested, I won't even text back. I would straight up call them right away. This was basically my way of getting around dialing like 200 phone numbers. This was a makeshift dialer in a way. So I would save a lot of time. Got you, bro. But when you're texting, mm -hmm. are you texting one person at a time or is, or it, so you're texting one person at a time? I'd say it would take 28 minutes to get through 200 people. Got it. Okay. So you would text one person at a time on your phone. So just copy, no, and paste, no, no. copy. On text now, I use 
uh, the keyboard, so it was much more faster. Not on my phone. Right, right. Okay, got you. Okay, yeah. but but you're actually doing it right manually. Yeah. You're not having like a system or a program that's doing it for you. I know Batch. Batch does that, right? Batch leads. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm planning to invest in that soon. Got you. Okay, so you would text them, and then it's smart. So when you get a text back, you don't just continue the texting, but you jump yeah. on the phone right away. Yep. That's okay. how you get the deal done. So Not now my next question, bro, is that how many, how many, how many texts do you went through until, until, until you came to this, uh, motivated, uh, seller? This specific one. Okay. Yeah. I came past a lot of motivated sellers, but I was uneducated on how to close deals. But this specific one, I went through, let's say a thousand, two hundred text messages somewhere around that before I got to this one. So it's all about consistency. Gotcha, bro. And how many hours are you doing it a day? Every single day. So let's say I, I get off of school at two. I say four or five hours a day. Wow. Four to five hours a day, every single day, even on weekends? Even on weekends. I had to get rid of all the things like the free time, the games, everything like that, going outside with friends. You just, I sacrificed a lot to get this, but now it's well worth it. Even though I wasn't closing deals back then, it felt like I was wasting my time. Once you close your first deal, it's much, it's well worth it, basically. You got to sacrifice. Absolutely, bro. So it took you 51 days. Yep. Working four to five hours per day, every single day for 51 days straight. Yep. And you guys, for those of you who's watching this, that's what it takes. And for some of you, it might even take longer. And for some of you, you, you know, you, you can do within the next 30 days. It all depends on, obviously, right? It, it all depends on your skill set. Are you good on the phone, right? What market you're in, right? So it depends on a lot of stuff. But I'm just telling you that it takes a lot of work and a lot of time involved. It took me six months to get my first deal. So you, you did way better than I did, bro. <laughs> Here's the thing. I actually, you mentioned Detroit, right? I would recommend to anyone who's trying to educate themselves on cold calling, do this in Detroit because a lot more motivated sellers are there. Even though the deals aren't that good, you'll have a lot more conversations. So that could help a lot of people out. Oh, okay. No, uh, that's actually uh, a good tip. Okay. So now what is, uh, so what is the situation with the seller? Okay. So the situation with this house, the property is located in Indianapolis and this seller the property used to be the seller's grandmother's house and it was an inheritance. It's been sitting vacant for 10 years. And before the start of COVID, he wanted to turn the place into a daycare, right? So he, it was already well kept with, um, but then COVID happened and, you know, he got tight on money. He wasn't able to turn it into a daycare. And he also had a judgment against him, not the property, but he foreclosed on another property back in 2016 which put a big judgment on him, meaning it was difficult for him to sell this property uh, retail anyways. Uh, so I called him, I gave him a call, uh, gave the whole rundown of everything, kind of felt, felt out the situation, um, why he wanted to sell, how soon he wanted to sell. And we just settled on a price of $35,000, all cash as is. Okay, so now what was, what was his asking price? His asking price was $50,000, but I explained to him every single reason in the book why I couldn't give him $50,000, right? And it's been sitting for 10 years vacant. The roof needed work. Honestly, the inspection went well because this property was in livable condition, right? Interior was amazing. 
But yeah, I couldn't give him 50,000. On top of that, he his job required him to move a lot, right? So that was another point of motivation that he couldn't stay and rehab the property, make it a rental. He couldn't do that. He had to sell it. Um, but yeah, basically I knocked it down to 35, just explaining his issue, right? Kind of mirroring what his situation is to him and explaining to him what he would have to do if he wanted $50,000. And obviously he would have to do a lot to get 50 for that. Got you. Okay. Now what was, uh, and what is uh, the rehab cost on it? The rehab cost, I actually have it written down right here. Yeah. So I use like the rehab uh, chart with the square footage. So okay. I came to around 27,000 for the rehab. That was my estimate. The ARV from the comps around the area, it was $100,000, $380. ARV. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. So rehab is $27,000. You got under contract for 35 G. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, now let's talk about how do you found the buyer? Easy. And the thing is, the Facebook groups, it's very underrated for a lot of people I know. The, the way I knew that this was going to be the first deal I closed was because I have attempted wholesaling prior to this, right? And every single time I would post on a Facebook group, my numbers were not correct and I would get no traction off of it. But this time... I put my phone number and email in the Facebook group. I was getting a call like every hour about the property. And at the end of the day, I had 15 people who wanted to buy this property. Eventually, I was asking my mentor on what I should do, if I should do a showing with all of them. Another issue here, right? The seller had to come to town on Friday for the inspection day. So the seller was going to be there regardless, right? He wouldn't, the property, he had the keys to it. So I had to choose only one buyer. Right. I'd, I had one buyer who was a contractor and I was asking all of them for proof of funds. It was shocking to me. They had like two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar bank accounts. And I settled on one guy. Um, the reason I settled for him is because he was a hard he was someone who was using hard money lending. Right. And I could have took the easier route, took a full cash buyer with the cash on hand. But I wanted to kind of risk, not risk, but kind of educate myself on how to work with these specific type of cash buyers. So now I do know that working with these guys, their lenders have to approve as well, not just them themselves. So this added a lot of more education to me in working with different kind of buyers. I chose this guy. Another reason is because I told him to put the $2,500,000, not $2,500,000 earnest money deposit a day after he signed and he went and dropped it off right away. So I just stuck with this guy. Got you, man. Okay, so now let's talk about the earnest money. How, how much? How, how much was your earnest money with the seller? Okay, so in the contract, I wrote a thousand dollars due after the inspection, right? So I technically paid no earnest money, and this is a good tip for anyone in general who's just starting out with no money. Always in your purchase and sale agreement, right? Earnest money is due after the inspection. And my, the earnest money I received from my buyer was 2,500. So worst case scenario, I would pay my seller a thousand dollars. I would walk away with 1,500. Gotcha, man. Smart. Okay. So here's a couple of things, lesson here that you guys can learn. Now, before I jump into conclusion, bro, did uh -huh. you, did the seller ask for a certain amount of earnest money from you? No, right? Contract and I forgot to take it out, but Correct. They, don't ask, they don't ask. 
Correct. So for those of you, if you if you're watching this, if you deal directly with the seller, 99.9% of the time, they don't really they don't ask about the earnest money. Most seller don't know about the earnest money got to be deposited. All they worry about the closing date and mainly is the purchase price, right? The sell price. Yep. So so basically, you can put whatever amount you want in there, ten dollars, twenty dollars, whatever amount. In this case, you left a thousand in there, but you put a thousand dollars earnest money to be deposited after inspection yep. approved. And I already got the buyers, so technically right. put it down. Gotcha. Okay. So I mean that's another way that you guys can do it if you run into a seller, right? That um that ask for a larger uh, earnest money down. And mm -hmm. and and here's one way uh to go about it. Okay, well, well we can do that after we do the inspection and everything is good to go. We're more than happy to put X amount of down. Okay. So in that meantime, you'll be able to find your buyers and then your buyer will be the one that's going to put the uh, deposit down for you. Yep. Good man. So Thank when you. you say Facebook group, let's be clear here. What Facebook group? It was the Indianapolis investor. Group. There's tons of them. It's I know Jerry Norton is in that group. So it should be like the first one to pop up. Just, Indianapolis investor group, first one to pop up. Gotcha. So basically you're looking for the local, local, re, local Facebook group then. Yeah. Okay. So for those of you watching, whatever state or city you're in, there should be a Facebook group just for that, um, just for that city or that county, whatever it is, right? For that area where you can start networking with other wholesaler and buyers and uh, any basically real estate related they should be in that group. So there should be a, a Facebook group for uh, for every state. Yep. Got it. Okay. So that's where you find your found your buyer. So you put the information on there. Buyer calls you. So you, so did you do this all virtually, or or did you go out and meet the seller? No. The property is in Indianapolis. I live in Brooklyn, New York. So it was all virtual. Oh wow, bro. Wow. Okay. Got it. Now, when the buyer, so how do you set up the show between the buyer and the seller? Okay, so since I trust my buyer at that point, he put the earnest money down. I coached him on how to pose as my partner. I told him I'm saying my partner out there. And he also had a construction manager, so that made me look even better to the seller, right? So my partner and my construction manager in the seller's eyes was going to meet the buyer at the property and he's going to... I just let the seller know that he's just going to do a quick rundown record so I can figure out the, the scale of the scope of work. Basically, that's all we had to do. And it was as easy as that, but you need earnest money if you're going to do this or else it's getting very risky. Right. Okay. So, okay. So bro, you get the buyer to sign an assignment and drop off a deposit before he actually go and before did the inspection. So here's the thing, his, I told all the buyers, right, that were interested to drive by the property and see if you liked it. That's a mistake I made before on a duplex I was trying to assign before. I was trying to wholesale it and the people going to the property, the pictures that I put up were very outdated. This place had like narcotics everywhere. It was terrible homeless people sleeping inside of the property. So I told all the buyers, if you really want the property, drive by take a look at it just to make sure, just so I can make sure it's in good condition, if I'm being honest. So my buyer's construction manager looked inside the window a bit 
And he saw it wasn't really that bad and it would be worth put, taking the risk for. So, yeah, that's how I got them to put the earnest money deposit down. I gave them a chance to have like a preview, basically. Gotcha. You guys, there. so there's some good new lesson in here that you guys obviously need to take is once you once I have a property on a contract, same thing. Most of my buyers will say, hey, you know what? I'm ready for an inspection. Hey, can you set up a walkthrough? Can you set up a walkthrough? But typically what you want to do is you want them to drive by first. Take a look at the property, make sure they like it. Because a lot of times, you know, it, it might seem a certain way in pictures or, yeah. or you might have even outdated pictures, right? Because of online or whatever. So mm -hmm. have them drive by, make sure that they like it. They like what they see. So that way you're not wasting time with them and with the seller, you know, and that's going to help eliminate setting up multiple showing to yeah. buyers that, you know, don't, don't even like in the first place. I mean, dude, I learned the same lessons that you did when I first started too, is I start setting up walkthrough and then on the, uh, on the day of appointment, buyers did the walk or drive by and said, Hey, you know what? Uh, I actually don't like it. You know what? I'm going to cancel. It sucks when that happens. Yeah. You know, That's hey, I'm going to cancel. Now you like, now you got to call the seller. You got to cancel sellers at the property. And you're like, oh my God, now you got to mix up some other excuses, how your partner can't be there. But my yeah. other question to you is that why do you choose not to show to multiple buyers at the same time? Okay. So number one, he's going to say, how many contractors did this guy have? If I had 15 people walking the property and I can't have 15 people put down earnest money deposit. You can only trust so many people. Uh, my mentor always tells me, take everything with a grain of salt. So if the people say, yeah, I'll buy right now, cash, let me just see the property. Obviously it's not in their best interest for that. They want to get the biggest advantage. So only trust one buyer. If the seller has to be there, don't make it all confusing for yourself. Gotcha. So now my question next to you is how, how, Okay, well, basically, I was gonna say. So, how do you trust this buyer? You trust this buyer because you told them, you 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 told them to drop off, and they did it. So, pretty much, that confirmed that they are legit. Mm -hmm. I see. Got it, man. So, my my question to you now. So they're buying it for thirty five. They're gonna put twenty seven. Are they gonna no, fix them? Are they gonna what? Got it locked up for thirty five, and I'm assigning it to them for forty thousand. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you lock it up for 35 and you're signing for 40. So if we do the calculation, I figure how um, is, is there any more? Is there room for you to make more on it or no? That's the thing. After we close and I checked how much money the seller owed, I could have turned this into a 15 or $10,000 deal, but it was the first deal. And I was just, uh, I didn't want to risk too much. So I settled for 5k, but I could have definitely made a five figure deal. So, ha so, so what, so what would you have done differently? All right, number one, Kong, I would have vetted the seller way more because if I'm being honest, I was rushing the conversation. I just want to get straight to the number. Right. So definitely vet the seller more, understand more about their financial situation, not just the property itself. Okay. I didn't ask him about the, the judgment. I didn't ask him about liens or mortgages. You got to ask the people this because I had a recent experience cold calling someone. The guy said, I'll bring money to the table to pay off my mortgage, but I was an idiot and offered to cover his mortgage, but I could have made like an extra 10K from that, right? So I'm not sure what to do with that deal now, but I'll figure it out. So uh, <laughs> so there are sellers out there that owes way more than what the property is worth for you to make it work. 
but they are also seller that's willing to bring they like they're willing to take money out of their pocket to bring to closing just to get the, just to sell the property off their plate yeah that's so all right cool. For, so a lot of you thinking well why would someone sell it at a discount now think about this why would why would a seller bring money to the table right to so you can buy their property all right, because mm -hmm. that because they are motivated, they're in distress. They don't want to own the property anymore. All right, we have yep. that situation. Same thing. Seller was going to bring twenty G's to closing tables to get the property sold, and we end up making fifteen G's on that deal. Nice, nice. Okay, so uh, I mean that's that's pretty much it, bro. Now I guess my my question to you next is that what is the one what is the one thing that really helps you get your first deal to do? All right. A big issue I see with a lot of people is this. They have too many options to pick from. So they have college, they have day trading, or oh, I'll do drop shipping, or oh, I'll do this. They have too many options to pick from and they can't focus on one thing and be consistent on one thing. So my advice to all of these people is to basically burn out all the other options to make it impossible for you to succeed in any other way except this way that you really want to live. So there was this story about this military i'm not sure what the name of the book was but they had a smaller army than the army they were going to fight and the leader said to burn all the boats so they can't retreat and they ended up winning that war so you kind of got to take it into consideration in business as well you have too many options to fall back on especially me i i have nothing to lose i have no overhead i don't pay any living costs nothing right it's the best time to make money for me right now so you got to get rid of all the comforts that are making you lazy and stay consistent at that one thing you really want in life. Bro, dude, I got to say, man, distraction is probably one of the biggest key. You, you, you hear about crypto. Yeah. <laughs> you hear about the stock market. Everything is just going up. Real estate is hot. Like everything is blooming. And, I, you know, I believe everything, everything goes up, must come down. Yep. And when it must, and when it comes down, you have to be prepared. And the way to be prepared is you need to have cash reserve. All right. Yep. You need to have money reserve. Now, listen to me. For those of you who's, you know, investing in crypto, listen to me. If you take all, if you take all the money you got and put in a certain crypto and it's doing great right now, great for you. But what happened when it what happened when it's dip? When it dip, you can't sell, but you also have no more chips to buy. Yep. You run out of chips to play with, dude. Your game is over. Game is over for you. So yep. when you invest, make sure when you buy it, when it goes up, always have some reserves. So when there is a dip, you, you can, can either buy more or at least at least that at least that reserve there will be able to protect you, which means it'll cover your expenses, whatever it is, right? And this is what happened in 2008, 2009 when the real estate market popped and everybody that was either fixed and flip or 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 or, or, or and they don't have enough cash reserve where they they can't sell the property, right? So they got to pay that mortgage every single month for that property, all right? Or or to your harmony lender or, or whatever it is, and they went they got to go out and under because they don't have reserve. And a lot of you ask me, so Kong, why do you have so much money sitting in the bank, dude? Reserve, baby. When you have real estate rental property, the more rental property you have, the more reserve you have to have. You have to have a backing in case anything happens. A roof on a single family home to redo a roof on a single family home costs you about what seven, possibly let's just say seven to ten thousand. 
Yep, yeah, six, seven right? thousand. Seven, ten thousand. Imagine doing a brand new roof on an apartment building. That is a 10 units, a 15 units. It could be 50, 100 Gs, right? And when something goes like that, where, where, where are you going to get the money? Reserve. And for example, COVID, right? Renter can't pay rent. You got to pay the mortgage. Where are you going to get? Now, if you have one property that you only have, your mortgage is 1,500 bucks a month, that's nothing. But yep. what if you have 10 property at 1,500 bucks a property? What if you have 20 property that all of a sudden go vacant or renter can't pay? That's what happened. You need reserve. Most people keep on saying trash is cash is trash, cash is trash, trash. Yeah. Dude, you but you have to have reserve. Without reserve, baby, when the market tank, you're you're in big trouble. Okay. So, anyways, um, bro, so how can people um so how can people connect with you, dude? All right, so you can follow me on Instagram at KadimK888 with three eights, or you can also add me on Bigger Pockets at just my name. Nice. Okay. Um, I guess we are going to wrap this up, bro. I want to say thank you so much, all right, for thank being God. able to come on um, and do this with me. But I, one last question for you, bro. No problem. Do you have, uh, do you have uh, the copy of the check? Yeah, I do, actually. I got the... Uh, yeah dude show it and then i also want to i also want to know is what what are your plan is to do with the five g's honestly man i'm waiting for 18 to get a property so i'm not even sure if i want to put in the stock market it seems uh i don't one year is too slow to really invest in my opinion uh, wait 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 invest. wait wait hold, hold on a second bro so yep. you so you're waiting until you're 18 to buy your own property. Okay, so what are you planning to do with that that 5G's? Um, I'm not really sure actually. Calm. Here's the thing, I'm planning on using it as a down payment for a house act in the next year, so I can keep my living expenses down. So I, as I make more money, I don't have to really rely on any overhead or expenses. Um, I was thinking of putting into SPY something like that to grow consistently. But I've got some advice from other investors, such as Invest with Ace from his Instagram, saying one year to hold in the stock market is a bit too risky if you're planning on spending that money into equity or something. So I might just keep it as cash, like you said, cash reserves. But I'll see, I'll okay. see. So, bro, um, I'm just giving you my personal opinion. Obviously, you do you. Of course. You, you, you seem like you already have a mentor and all of that. So you do you, but I'm going to share with you my personal opinion. And mm -hmm. for those of you, you're watching this, I want you to comment down below and let me know if you close your first wholesale deal and you have five G's or maybe just have five G's right now, what would you do? Comment down below. So what would you do? Right? Here's what I would do, dude. I would not put it in the stocks. I would not buy crypto. None of that, dude. This is what I call baby money. Five yeah. G's is nothing. I know. This, this, dude, this is baby money. You take 5,000 and let's say you go buy a Bitcoin or you go buy Ethereum. And even Ethereum went up to like 15,000, 20,000, 30,000. How yep. long is that going to take? Listen, so hear me out. How long is that going to take? Let's just say that, let's just say you got lucky. By the end of this year, all of a sudden, boom, Ethereum hits 20,000. You have 5,000 into it. How much money is that going to make you? Dude, not enough to change your life, not enough to make an impact on your life. 
what you guys need to do is you guys need to take this baby money and you need to invest it back into your self-education and invest it back into your business. So mm -hmm. if I were you, dude, I would not house hacking, none of those. S stay with your parents, dude. Stay with your parents, but be responsible. Start, start, start taking on responsibilities. Start paying them rent, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so, so basically now you, cause you want to show them, Hey, I am a man now. I will take responsibility. I'm going to take care of myself, right? You guys have take, you guys have took care for me for 17 or 18 years, whatever. It's my yeah. turn to do my part. So I just want you to treat me like if I were renting your room. So, so figure out an amount so you can hold yourself. So you can hold your account yourself accountable. So you're not asking for free handouts. And also too, is that. You, you know, so you're not getting freebies by your parents. Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. Man. So, no, dude, and the thing is, I'm not talking directly to you. I'm just talking to the, uh, the audience. So now you take that five G's, dude. I would put it back into marketing. Put it back into well, your business, dude, and grow that business, bro. And grow mm -hmm. it to where you can make 20 G's a month, 30 G's a month, 50 G's a month. Then you can think about, hey, now I'm going to go and buy my own property. I get what you're saying. And house hack. So I would reinvest back into myself and back into my business to grow my business. And then once you guys grow your business to the point where I, I would say, where it gets to about 20 G's a month, then you can think about diversify. Okay, now maybe I can put 5,000 bucks into crypto or 5,000 into SP or whatever it is. Dude, I keep my business, dude, very, very simple. Whatever money I make, I just put into rental property. I don't trust the stock market. I don't do stocks. That's, that's not my expertise, right? I now mm -hmm. do invest in crypto because I do believe that crypto will be the future current. Like, dude, eventually our world will be virtual. And, 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 and it's just like Uber, right? Just like Uber came in and disrupt the taxi industry. Just like Amazon came in and disrupt the whole shopping industry where malls are empty or, and are shutting down for all the brick and mortar. Yep. So this is, so crypto is a disruptions of obviously U.S. currency or the world currency. So I do believe in that. So I invest in that, but I didn't invest in that until I already have a solid sustained business. So a lot of you, you're taking your baby money and you try to diversify. And when you should have take that and just reinvest into yourself and back into your business first. Okay. Anyways, man, that's all the time that we have, bro. I want to say thank you so much. Congrats. And I look forward to seeing more of your success. Okay. Thank you, Colin. Have a nice day, man. Yep. Thanks, Take man. care. Have a good one. Bye.